When I left the Republican National Committee, there were two memos I wrote. One was that one day a celebrity uh, was going to run without the support of the committee and win. And people said, you're crazy. Everybody needs the committee support. Now, I'm not saying I saw Donald Trump. I thought it was going to be Chuck Norris. There was another one. It wasn't a memo. I wrote it to a dear friend of mine, one of the good guys who somehow kept his soul in politics. His name is Gentry. Um, He is a wonderful Christian man. I wrote him a memo about something and I said, this is going to happen. And I couldn't believe what I put on paper. And then I thought, you know what? Gentry's going to think I'm nuts. Well, about a year ago, he wrote me back and said, "Uh, do you have that email you sent me? The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Times such as these, it says in the book of Esther, it's our turn, guys. It's, well, I was going to say, that's all I can say, and yet I'm about to say 45 minutes to an hour worth of stuff. But just, so I guess it's not all I can say, because you can accept the responsibilities or not, and not is also an action. Inaction is an action. This is our turn to go through this. Other countries have other civilizations, other times before Christ, after Christ. It's our our turn to deal with the charity. I had something today, just real quick. It was just the first time I had to do this. <laughs> so I have life insurance, kind of-ish. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting my sinuses all opened up coming up soon. Friday, by the way. I would appreciate prayers, incidentally. Uh, for healing and for um, wisdom with the doctors and for that sort of stuff. And then I got a note. I came home and ready to record the podcast, came home from the gym, super good day at the gym. And my wife says, and I always know this, we've been, my wife and I've been together going on like what, 25 years or something. I'm going to be in trouble for that, for something. And I walk in, And my wife is leaning over the the great big kitchen counter and she's got an envelope in her hand and and she says, well, and I go, no, well, you know, the sounds in the words uh, that your, your loved ones use when there's going to be something coming. Well, (laughs) my daughter used to do that when she wanted things. In fact, I'll have to play for you sometime. The, um, there's a couple of phone calls I have from her that I will never give up. I've got them saved under multiple drives. Well, dad, I would really like a kitten. I've, I've never touched a kitten. She, uh, she didn't say kitten. She said kitten. I love, I really love kittens. I would love to touch one. And well, I will clean up its poop. And well, I just really love kittens, dad. Okay. Well, I love you. Okay. Well, bye. (laughs) I cherish that, but not this one for my wife. Well, what? Well, our life insurance company, after two years of sending the bill here, sent it to the uh, home near Seattle and I didn't get the bill. Therefore, I didn't pay it. And therefore, it's late. And therefore, they've canceled life insurance. 
and I have a surgery coming up Friday. Well, I had a call with them today and I told them I'm going to record the call and I did. So I've got them on record. I'm not saying the name of the company yet because I'm hoping they're going to fix this. But I decided to go apply for for term life thinking I could buy it today. Well, no, that's not going to happen. It's going to be two weeks if I complete the transaction. I had to for the first time. They're going through the process. So what do you do for a living? I'm a podcaster. Oh. Huh. Wow. (laughs) And you could hear on the other line, like, you don't have any money. This is an interesting thing. And and what do you think your income per year is? And I tell him, he goes, from podcasting? I said, I didn't say that. He goes, from podcasting? He asked me what my income was. The rest of it's drug dealing. The mRNA injections. The what? I don't think I'm going to get the term life. So I mentioned in the tease of the program that I I got a a phone call and I recently talked with this man again. He's such a brilliant man. His name is Gentry Collins. And in fact, I've met him on my radio show before. And Gentry was one of the good guys in politics who kept his soul. And then he left politics for a long time. He's, it's frighteningly, he has an intelligence that's detailed. Like, he, I, he brought me to his office one day and said, I'm going to lose weight. I decided I'm going to lose this much. I'm going to lose, I'm going to eat at this calorie deficit across these days. He broke it down into per meal, per meal. I need to have this much fewer calories than I, than I burn per meal. And of course, this is a guy who would run national politics, national political director. So break it down from states into counties, into congressional districts, into sub districts, into walking districts versus calling districts. And he it's just mind. It's just it's nuts the way he can go from big picture to small right down to here. These are the 13 homes we need to hit. These are the 13 people that are going to win the win the midterms for us. And he did win the midterms midterms for us when we were at the committee. That was way back in 2008, 2009. But about a year ago, Gentry had said, do you remember you sent me an email about a race war? When I left the committee, I sent Gentry a note. And I said, the Democrats are going to start a race war. And I was basing this off of the things Obama was doing at the time. Uh, If I had a son, he looked like Trayvon Martin. Uh, It's clear uh, the, the police acted stupidly. Uh, today, I want to talk to Hispanics. Uh, you, you need the uh, Hispanics need to, 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 to punish their enemies. And we had this at the committee and, and I, I can never find it again. I watched it in my office and said, we got to raise money off this. And furthermore, we need to warm the country. Uh, today, I want to talk to uh, Asians and, uh, and, and Hispanics. Uh, there, 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 there are those who want to take the gains you, you, you have created. They want to take what you have. And I was watching that and I was watching um, him meet with the Black Lives Matter Incorporated people. Well, prior to their name um, in the White House and the pretense that there was uh, that Michael Brown had his hands up. Don't shoot all these things. Watching this. This man intends to start a race war. This party intends to start a race war. And by the way, I'm not trying to say I'm special here. A whole bunch of people saw this. Like I, I know listeners who said, oh, well done, bright man. You figured that out too. Okay, good. Yeah, you're super special podcaster. But the fact is a cultural revolution requires violence. It's, it's the preeminent act of dominance. And the party knows 
They're chasing it. This I I am I, I stand totally firm in this belief, in this analysis. Because the cultural revolution is about flipping things. Hey, now the criminals are in charge. Hey, now men are women. Hey, now racism isn't racism. Hey, now the Federal Reserve can can go. You wait. Oh, you wait till we have Zach Abraham on this week from Bulwark Capital. I talked to him yesterday. He went into more detail about what the Fed is doing and breaking the law and purchasing and, and paying off debt for companies. It's just it's crime upon crime. Flipping of society. Oh, yeah, we get to invent money and then buy real assets and then sell those assets to the middle class for their actual money in exchange for our pretend money that never existed ever. Cultural revolutions are like this. What? Uh, You don't have a right to tell us not to inject stuff in your body. Watch. What? You think you have a right to tell us that we can't teach your kids pornography? No, you've never had that right. Well, all those things are about flipping and creating chaos and disruption and distrust and hatred and all those things. And the topper to this is violence. Why? Because that shuts down the opposition. That's it. That closes the door. And people want to make this stuff complicated. And to a degree, it is. You're talking about a society. You're talking about some people caught up in this who don't understand that this is an ungodly thing. And it isn't ungodly. It is an ungodly thing. What they're doing, causing violence and hatred and neighbor to hate neighbor and racism to reappear. It is an ungodly thing. And I believe it comes from the father of lies. I I truly do. Cultural revolutions like this, they do. But you can also make it uncomplicated like this. Human relations. Like my buddy, I had a buddy who was a trainer, a huge, huge man. He was like genetically a freak and I would tell him to his face and then run. In his 60s, this guy, Steve, he was my trainer in, in Seattle. That man was, he was, you would look at, I told him like, you, Steve, you could be a tight end today. He'd been a professional basketball player for all these years and and he was he became a bodybuilder and oh my goodness, he was strong. And we were in the gym one day and there were some kids, young guys, and they were kicking around and they were making fun of their little brothers and oh look at you, you can only bench one twenty five, I can bench two uh, I can bench one eighty five and two hundred and they're making fun of him and being rude and swinging this and that around and and Steve became annoyed and he said to me, Hey, you, you give me a second? I said, Yeah. So Steve, gray hair, 6'4", walks over to the guys. He says, hey, uh, you know, I forgot to finish my last set on the bench press. Ask mine if I just jump in just real quick. Oh, sure. Want us to help you rack the weights? No, I'm fine. So they had 225 on the bar. That's two plates. He stacks on two more plates on each side. That's 405 pounds. He lays down on the bench. He uh, he unracks it. He lowers it to his chest and he exhales. <sighs> Yawns, relaxes his body, and then presses it up. And he did that five times. And then he racked it. And everybody was silent. Including the arrogant teenagers. Jaws dropped. Steve says, you want me to help you pick this up? Uh, no, no, sir. Good. 
Then he walks back towards me and he goes, they looking at me? I go, yeah. He goes, they scared? I go, yeah. Good. They didn't make fun of their little brothers anymore. That was the threat of violence. If that man ever decided to be violent, I would never want to be in the room. So sometimes violence settles things. Like, hey, you know what? If we're still having an argument, maybe we can go outside and work it out. So you can make these things complicated or you can make them simple. A cultural revolution requires violence to finish it off. And this is what the party is seeking. Critical race theory is going to get organized act of violence. It continues to push through the classroom. It's going to get there. You're going to get groups of white people who are going to say, you know what? I am really sick of being told I am bad because I'm white. I am really sick of being silenced in college. I am really sick of saying I can't say this and can't say that, but black people can say this and that. I am really sick of saying that we are the problem in the world. I'm really sick of being called a slave owner. And there's those of us who are going to take that and we're going to express it through social media. We're going to try to be the love. We're going to try to pray the pain away. We're going to try to hand it to God. We're going to try to change the world through prayer, which I think can happen through organized prayer. Dear Lord, please destroy this theory, this critical race theory. Please replace the hearts of people. Please fix their hearts. Please cleanse their hearts. Please protect us from this, Lord. Please have mercy on the United States. All those are great prayers. And God can decide to do that if the nation truly repents. And there's going to be other people who take different paths. It's going to happen. January 6th was a tiny little riot that got out of hand because the party wanted it to get out of hand. Because they let people in. It's a precursor event. I am not sponsoring this. I don't want this. I am telling you it is inexorably a fact that it is going to happen because they're seeking it happening. Case in point is a woman named Claire McCaskill. And I do need to give credit to my friend, former colleague, Jason Rance, who put this up on Twitter. He's at Jason Rance on Twitter. This is Claire, and Jason agrees. I, I think he said on his tweet, I think Jason and I concur on this. And Jason and I are, are not, we don't concur on everything, particularly on the COVID. We're, we're, we're significantly far apart on the COVID, but not on critical race theory, and it's evil. And, and Jason lives it because he lives in the separate country of Seattle. He lives it because he gets notes from parents. He lives it because he gets audio of teachers screaming at white students, and then he goes on Fox and talks about it. So this is Claire McCaskill, and you tell me this isn't a woman trying to start a race war. By the way, this is a little long because there's some other things in it I want you to hear. It gets to the money line, though. Do you think the Democrats should sort of take some time over the holidays to rethink their fealty to norms and reconsider court reform, reconsider filibuster reform? Oh, I think um, on both counts, um, there is definitely some reform that is needed at the Supreme Court. I mean, you can just start with ethics. 
Um, they don't have the same rules, Supreme Court justices. You can start with term limits. The American people support term limits for everybody, including Supreme Court justices. Um, you could actually, and, and I and certainly believe that there's filibuster reform that must happen to carve out uh, the ability of the Senate to deal with voting rights. Um, and I think Barb is right about one thing. Um, the hypocrisy here is astounding. And we typically don't think as of the Supreme Court. You know, every once in a while, somebody on the Supreme Court surprises us by making a decision that would not be expected based on the politics of the president who appointed them. I'm afraid those days of surprise are over. I think we know uh, everybody but Roberts is in the tank for the right wing extreme views. And I think this vigilantism is going to catch on. I'll tell you what's going to happen next, Nicole. These red states are going to do vigilantism laws on immigration. And they're going to empower citizens to go out and round up people they think look like foreigners. And that's what we're coming to in this country. And it is incredibly depressing, especially um, as we're so near uh, a religious holiday that is all about loving other people and accepting the least among us uh, to be part of the larger group. I mean, as you're both speaking, it's clear that we need to bump this up. And this is a four alarm fire. We should cover it. Four alarm fire from Nicole Wallace, who says that the Democrats need to get over their addiction to norms, their attachment to norms. The Democrat Party that has pushed the teaching of racism into the schools needs to get over their attachment to norms. The Democrat Party, who had a gubernatorial candidate, Bagman, what's his name, uh, McAuliffe, who went on a radio show and said, yeah, I think it's okay to kill a baby if it's been born. Just put, you know, slam some shivers into its head and it won't feel it. Maybe it'll tense up a little bit, but it'll be dead soon. He goes on and says these things. The Democrat Party needs to give up its attachment to norms These are the people who talk about pregnant people and penis bearers and and ovary havers and reduce people to their organs, some of them, some organs in their body. That's your now, that's your, that's your, your your new, your new intersectional, uh, you know, label. I I represent uh, penis havers and uh, with all due respect to ovary havers, they want, they, they, they need to give up their attachment to norms. Mm Mm-hmm. Then that woman states that that the governor of Texas, she doesn't say his name, but that's what she means, that, that Greg Abbott. Uh, today, uh, today in the state of Texas, I have legalized groups of vigilantes going out into the streets and capturing black and brown people to have them kicked out of the country. So if you are at home now uh, in the greater Dallas-Fort Worth area, we're doing a test run, uh, so please go get in your Ford uh, F-150 to 250s to 350s. Go down the streets, and any black or brown people you see, uh, arrest them with uh, ankle and wrist ties and take them out of the country and leave them there. Thank you. I'm Greg Abbott. No one can believe that. But... Remember that baseball game? When that guy showed up and he decided to shoot congressman and he shot congressman. 
What did he believe? You know, uh, the, the president, the, the, the Republican plan, uh, this health care plan is killing uh, 50, 53 million people uh, every second. Uh, it is unconscionable that, 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 that anyone but communists can kill at this level. Uh, communists, when they kill, it's, it's, it's for a good reason. He believed it. The average Democrat believes that 30,000 unarmed black men are murdered by cops every year. The actual number is 17 unarmed, not meaning undangerous, non-dangerous, by the way. Ah, but they'll never believe what Claire McClaskill said. There are people to this day who will look you in the eye and tell you Donald Trump was a Russian plant and in fact is in fact Vladimir Putin to this day. They'll say that. There are people who are going to believe that. The Dallas police shootings. That guy believed that his life and the life of other black people were at risk from cops. So he decided to strap up, go to Dallas, shoot nine or ten cops and, and murder people wantonly. The guy who drove the SUV through the crowd, the SUV didn't drive him. He had vicious anti-white statements. White people should be murdered, and he murdered some. And you have people who have been taught that it is theirs to go take what is not theirs, that it is theirs to go out and seek retribution for things that have never been taken from them. Fire, fire, gentrifier, fire, fire, get the fire. You have college students who have burned down parts of California because they believe that the greatest existential risk to their population, to their age group is in fact the global warming climate catastrophe. Therefore, they need to go burn forests down. They believe that as college graduates. Charles Manson recruited college graduates from good homes into Helter Skelter out of the streets of San Francisco. If you ever want to read about the account, read a book called Child of Satan, Child of God by Susan Atkins, who committed egregious acts of evil. And she talks about meeting Manson and what that was like, and it sounds a lot like the party. You're perfect the way you are. You're not flawed. There's nothing flawed about you. You are perfect. You're smart. You're the smartest of them all. I see it. No one else does. You're special. You should have things. Things have been taken from you. I will give you things. We'll go do things together that are not to be done. And it worked. And he was a greasy, grimy, weird looking, little tiny dude. On his own. Starting a family. Ish. Claire McCaskill is a former office holder. Nicole Wallace has a TV show. They have the magic of TV, the gravitas of TV, the distribution of TV. And Claire McCaskill is stating that Republicans are going to organize and legalize vigilante crowds going through their states, scooping up brown and brown and black people and taking them away and shipping them out of the country. And people are going to believe it and people are going to get more and more violent. And Claire McCaskill and the party have to know this. Cultural revolutions cannot help, cannot start without violence. Pardon me, cannot be completed without violence. The violence has to happen to have them completed. The ultimate act of dominance. I've seen it in football fields. I've seen it with coaches. I've seen it in bars. 
I have been the perpetrator of it in bars. I have been the victim of it in bars. Back before I found God a long, long, long time ago. And it ends discussions. That's it. I win. You shut up. Do what I do what you're told. Okay. That's the path. It's the oldest path in the book. <laughs> the biblical book. The Bible. It's the oldest one. Time immemorial. The turning of brother against brother. Cain and Abel. The turning of brother against brother. That's where we're headed. Meanwhile, the media whistling past the, God forbid, could be graveyard of a cultural revolution gone violent. For decades, the dancing grannies spinning and twirling their way into the hearts of people across Wisconsin. But just two weeks ago, the beloved dance troupe making national headlines after an out-of-control SUV crashed right through the Waukesha Christmas Parade. So they determined that the SUV was out of control when it crashed itself into the people. You've heard that before. But there's more to this. God doesn't show favoritism based upon race. People can say, no, he chose the Jewish people. And you know what? He made it clear to him, hey, you're not special. I'm choosing you, even though you have a sin problem. But the party is signaling this in every possible way. And I do think it is very comparable to what has gone on biblically. And I do think that this stuff comes from the father of lies. The making of people to hate each other is a father of lies activity. It's his greatest delight as a liar, thief, and murderer. So two days ago, this program got to 86th out of all podcasts on the Apple platform, the biggest podcasting platform. Although Spotify is catching up, we were 31st on Spotify the other day. If everybody who hears my voice right now shares this with 10 friends, imagine the shock and awe will deliver to the party when a program with God at the center gets into the top 20 and then the top 10, if that is the, the will of the Lord. If God wills it, it will be done. And if you are decided that you want to help, the way to do that is to share the show with friends. Go to the ToddHermanShow.com, share a podcast from there, and just tell people, here's why you like the show. There's a guy named Alan Sweeney. He's a self-proclaimed member of the Proud Boys. This is from um, the post-millennial. Sentenced to 10 years in prison last week after shooting an individual in the eye with a paintball gun during a riot in Oregon last year. So what happened was the Proud Boys went down to protect a group of Christian kids who went down to have a celebration of their faith in Portland. So Antifa says, let's go throw IEDs at the kids, improvise explosive devices. We'll go throw fireworks all wrapped up together so that they become dangerous. They went and did that. And guess what one of the kids was? One of the kids was a black kid. His mother was on TV saying they tried to blow up my son. So this guy is getting sentenced to 10 years in prison, shooting someone in the eye with a paintball gun. And by the way, that's not a that's not a minor thing. You can you can steal someone's eye. You can kill someone conceivably. I'm not saying go shoot people in the face with paintball guns. God forbid. Sweeney was also accused of drawing a handgun during the brawl with Antifa militants and dispensing bear mace. He says he was acting in self-defense. I haven't seen the video. I know Antifa, so I'm going to bet he was acting in self-defense. 10 years. 
Hmm, that's interesting because Portland career criminal Marquise Love served only one year in prison after he assaulted Adam Hayner. I have seen this video. Maurice Love kicked Marquise Love, kicked this young man again and again and again, stomp kicking, side kicking. That young man was in a coma for, I think, a week. He got one year, Marquise Love did. That was worse than shooting someone in the eye with a paintball gun, far worse. Again, from the Pulse Millennial, last week, Black Lives Matter activist Emilio DeLeon pleaded guilty to third-degree assault and a brutal attack on Daniel Jones. During another protest, DeLeon and his friends beat Jones unconscious and left him bloodied. While laying unconscious on the ground, the other team kicked Jones' teeth in. Emilio DeLeon was only sentenced to probation. Well, the other team had a sealed case that was closed last year, and let's play a game. What was the race of the people who got more time? White. The races of people who got less time? Black and brown. I so despise terms like white and black and brown to define human beings because it is the lowest common denominator and the least meaningful thing about us. I am far more interested in your views on art. I'm far more interested in your cultural history. I'm far more interested in the words you use and the books you've read and the experiences you've had and the opinions you hold and why, what you love, your greatest day you ever had, the greatest fear you've ever had, the darkest moment that's ever occurred in your life. What is your family history of dark moments and being rescued from without? What are the stories of your family? I'm far more interested in that. What kind of intelligence do you have? There's seven, I understand, seven different kinds of intelligences. Far more interested in that than I am a white man. The party. Some can do whatever they want. Others cannot. In a spiritual sense, God will tell you, you can do whatever you want. Satan will tell you, you should do whatever you want. God will make clear, hey, look, you want to do those things, I'll let you turn yourself over to your fleshly desires. I'll let you do that. And you're going to pay a cost. Satan says, it's your right to do this. Who is this God to tell you what to do? Why does he get to tell you what to do? Plus, he's lying. He's not really going to die if you eat from the truth of the the tree of knowledge. Come on. God doesn't mean you're going to die. Cain and Abel. Jealousy. you don't know the story, it's two brothers. Cain decided to kill his brother by bashing him in the head with a rock. And God had looked at some sacrifices that, that, that Abel had made. He brought an offering. God said, hey, this is a suitable offering. And, and, then, and then Cain brought an offering and God said, it's not a great offering. So Cain, instead of saying, what can I do, Lord? How can I serve better? He decided to kill his brother because that'll fix things. And God asked Cain, the Lord said to Cain, hey, where's your brother? And he said, I don't know. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? It's like when God came to Adam and Eve and said, hey, where are you guys? Oh, we're gone. Jealousy. Hatred. Biblical levels of it. (laughs) The devil loves this stuff. 
And we live in a time where it's right in front of us. We have the opportunity to say to our friends, do you see the violence the party is causing? Do you see the chaos they're accepting? Do you see the cities they're destroying? Do you see the race where they're cooking up? Are you sure that's the side you want to be on? Do you know that the devil has done these things before? Do you know that the devil has caused this kind of upset before and chaos? And this is his game. And if you don't believe the Bible, listen to Mick Jagger. Please allow me to introduce myself of a man of wealth and taste. Sympathy for the devil. If you don't believe the Bible... Listen to Charlie Daniels, although I guess in that case, a guy beat him in a fiddle contest. That's not, I know how biblical that is. Joseph and his brothers. Joseph and his brothers went through the same thing. It's another biblical story. It's another, this is from Genesis. Oh, no, pardon me. Yeah, Genesis uh, 37, 1 through 36. It's a wonderful story about a guy whose brothers were deeply jealous of him and they decided to put him a pit and have him captured and sent to Egypt. And when he got to Egypt, instead of Joseph saying, that's it, I'm a slave, I'm a victim, I give up, nothing good will ever happen, I want to just roll up and die. He decided, you know what, I'm going to thrive here. Why? Because God's on my side. And then when he got back reunited with his brothers, he could have had them all put to death because he was now with the emperor. He was now with the boss of Egypt. He could have done that and he didn't. He was with Pharaoh and he didn't. No, 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 you're my brothers. I love you. You're my brothers. I given you long ago. I have gotten to bring God into Egypt. I have gotten to introduce to Pharaoh our God. They did that out of frustration and anger with him. So you have the Cain way of dealing with it. Bash your brother's head in with a rock. You have the Joseph way of dealing with it. I forgive you. You did a wrong thing and I forgive you. And look how it's benefited for me with me because I decided instead of being bitter, I would walk with God. That's the decision I made. What is the party pushing for bashing heads in with rocks. That's what they're pushing for. We who walk with the Lord, we who speak his word, we who go to public meetings and we can talk politics. Please do talk the constitution. Please do. It's God inspired, but we could also go to the meetings and say, do you really want to relive Cain and Abel? Do you really want to see this violence? Because teaching hatred will beget violence. That's what you're doing. You are teaching one to, to hate each other's neighbor. You are violating God's law. Do you think that that wouldn't please the Lord? I don't mean to speak for the Lord, far be it, but I think the Lord would be pleased to hear his word being spoken again finally. Why are you shying away from it? It's the ultimate victory for political correctness and repressive tolerance. The ultimate victory. People have been scared into not speaking the word of the Lord. And I don't know how much tolerance God is going to have for that to continue. You want my help? You won't speak my word? I don't, I don't know you. But the time in which we live, imagine the change when all of a sudden the party members are confronted with the word of the Lord. 
Claire McCaskill in that clip I played tries to care about Christmas. Christmas is a day when we celebrate love and including everybody. Well, and also the ultimate sacrifice to mankind and a set of rules and how to live. And it doesn't include what you're doing and it doesn't include force and it doesn't include vaccine mandates, injection mandates, and it doesn't include teaching racism and it doesn't include boys or girls and it doesn't include all sexual activities, good activity. And it doesn't include any of that, Claire. So love sometimes is no. Sometimes love is no. Adam and Eve, what did you do? You ate from the tree of knowledge. Now I have to kick you out of the garden. Cain, what did you do? You can't stay here. You killed your brother. You're going to have to go off on your own. Joseph, what did you do? You followed my word, even though you were in captivity. I will bless you and give you an opportunity to bless your brothers. We are in captivity. Biblical history is this. The victory is to walk with God. And incidentally, despite the impotent, weak, ridiculously useless Republican Party, they're not the evil party. They're the ridiculously loose, useless, impotent party. And guess what happens? When they see us speaking the word of God and changing things, some of them are going to say, well, write me a speech for some of that God stuff in it because that's really working well. And other people are going to say, I need to speak the word of God. They're going to be inspired by us like they were inspired in Virginia. Now, all of a sudden, there's people brave enough to say, boys aren't girls. That's where we're at. The party wants to start a race war. We don't have to be participants in it. We walk with God. Far better. This week I met my friend Zach Abraham on. You got to hear this. Zach's going to tell us some more detail about what's the stock market like in the real world? Or it, it, what, what did it used to be like? What is it now? And is the stock market real? No, that's that's legitimately the discussion I'm going to have with Zach coming up this week on the program is, is the stock market real anymore? Is what's in it that's real and what's not? So I will tell you when we get this thing scheduled to Zach. I, I keep blew my mind again. The, the Federal Reserve... Hey, I want to buy debt from, from companies, but I don't have the money, so I'll invent it, and then I'll buy the debt, and then that will turn into an asset for me, and then I'll roll that up into securities and stock, or I'll, I'll sell that to the public, and then the public will buy it, but with actual dollars that come out of their bank account. So for my fake money, I get their real money at a markup, or I just now own all the assets, and By the way, what's this doing to the middle class? I'll let Zach explain this. It is a mind blower. So nice to have a truth teller in the in the in the the world of finance. I'm not saying that Zach's the only one. I'm just saying it's nice to uh, emails to the show. Chad, Todd, I heard you praise President Trump on your show. I also voted for him. I must say, I'm not saying you do this. Maybe I may ask you to remind your listeners of something. President Trump is a person. He is capable of being persuaded, just like me and just like you. He has faults. He can become greedy. He has a sinful desire like me and like you. 
He's in need of grace, like me and like you. Remember that President Trump boasts about his launch of the COVID-19 injections? To this day, he praises himself for that. Remember, he was the leader of the free world for four years. He had the ability to speak to China, France, China, France, Canada, and Russia, Japan, any country at the drop of a hat. He has a plan for this country. I'm not saying he's in bed with Biden. Do not get me wrong. My fear is the same fear I had with never Trumpers. They hated him so much they voted against him not knowing what they were voting for. Good people can make bad decisions. Let us not love Trump so much that we neglect to look through the microscope and ask the questions, the hard questions, to the president we miss. President Trump is a person. He suffers the same condition as everyone else, which is described in Roman one, Romans 1. Thank you, Todd. Thank you for continuing with the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. May God continue to bless you, Todd, and this country we love, Ellensburg Coastie. Thank you for that, Chad. Yes, I agree. Let us find the best candidate. If that is Donald John Trump, I'm in. Flawed vessel. And baby, I'm about as flawed a vessel as dude could ever be. Flawed in the ways significant and insignificant. In my judgment, President Trump's greatest asset is his decision to be at the center of every discussion. In my opinion, President Trump's greatest deficit is his decision to be at the center of every action. And yes, the president must be equated with what he was rolled into rolling out. The president was, they trapped him. And it was this about the president. I listened to that man. He was scared that that, that 30 million Americans were going to die. He was terrified of it. Yes, there's a political equation. Then there's this. He's a grandpa. He loves his kids. He gives money to charity. He has shut down sex trafficking. Not shut it down, but the most significant dent ever made in it. He brought our troops home. He visits them at every opportunity. He visits our cops. In private, I've heard from people who have met with the president. In fact, I've I've talked to Gold Star families who have met privately with the president, and they've told me, my goodness, in person, he is the kindest, most quiet, most polite, most putting you at the center person I've ever met. And there's Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis either really gets it or has decided he really needs to get good at pretending to get it. Ron DeSantis might make a absolutely brilliant president. They rolled Trump by putting him in a box. The box was this. If you don't shut down the economy, you're killing people. That's the box. And then they told him there's nothing you can do. There's no way out. There's no way out from this. Nothing you can do. That's the box. So you bet he dove for the the injections. And then what did he have? He had the Pfizer CEO. President Trump is a businessman. Of course he trusted the Pfizer CEO. Guys, it's only in the past two years that my eyes have been open to what big pharma is. That's not true. The past three years. And once they got open, then I began to see the patterns with these guys. The wrong sex hormones with kids is the same approach they're taking to the COVID injections in everybody, and they have the same commonality. Neither of them are medically helpful. Neither of them are psychologically helpful. Doesn't matter. They want the money. 
So yes, President Trump needs to be availed of this information and needs to respond to it. I have to have a president who recognizes what the FDA is. Now, President Trump does not like Fauci. He thinks Fauci is a grifter and a con artist, and I believe Fauci has proven himself to be that. I'm not casting aspersions. I'm describing behavior. So it's a great note. It's a great note. Really, Chad, great note from Ellensburg Coasty. Chris, hey, Todd, love the show. Happy you went out on your own and are not beholden to anyone but God. My wife and I want to help in your ministry, at that, as that's what we think it is for you, your ministry. We will definitely be subscribers when that becomes an option, but I'm wondering if there's something we could do for you personally. Your show has helped me remain sane. I listen to most of the conservative podcasters who are great, but your emphasis on God is such an encouragement. If there's anything we can do in our small capacity, please let me know. On a side note, does your church stream their messages? I'd love to listen to the series on transgenderism or whatever else they decide to preach on. I'll get back to you in that chat. Yes, they do. Um, they do. And I'll send you a link, Chad. I appreciate the note on this. Love the show, Todd. Keep up the good work. The devil will do everything in his power to destroy what you're trying to do. So I'll keep you in my prayers that God will provide a hedge about you. Love in Christ. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, personally, what could you do? Well, funny thing. Since we went to the podcast format, and you'll notice there's one ad I do, and it's for Dave the Digital at Greenhaven, uh, Greenhaven Interactive, because Dave is my digital guy. One ad. We have offers to run ads. We have people who want to buy ads. My focus is getting the show to a point where I think it sounds good, where I'm getting good reports from people to grow that, to reacquaint ourselves and to get into a rhythm of podcasting. Then we'll talk about advertising. I do have a subscription plan. We're going to do that. What you could do for me is this, since we went to podcasting and since my income has dropped a little bit, I'll tell you where Satan usually attacks me. Money. Went out the other day, my beautiful truck, the muffler, was falling off, halfway off. I had to wire it together. I haven't had to do that since the days of my 66 Chevelle in my first year of high school. Now I've got the money to go get my muffler fixed, and I will. Then there's the thing with the life insurance. I mentioned that at the top of the show. I've got surgery coming up, and hey, uh, we decided to mail your bill back to your old house you haven't lived in in two years. So you were late on your payment that you've not been late on for two years. So we're going to cancel your policy. So I go into surgery without life insurance policy. Wow. Where, in fact, Satan hits me is financially. So I'm not asking for your money. I'm asking for your prayers. I'm asking for you to pray that I receive the full armor of God. I'm asking for these prayers for the show, not for me. That the show will find the people who need to hear the show. And that will continue to do the show in this format, no matter what commercial interests say, no matter what people come and say as well, if you could just change it this way or maybe de-emphasize God, then you could have a national radio show one day. Please pray that I never give into that temptation to change the focus. And in terms of what you could do financially, please go tithe. Find a great Bible teaching church near you and attend and tithe. That's what you could do financially because you're going to do that. That's for me. That's for everybody. I appreciate the note. Last note from Victor, Bozeman, Montana. Dear Todd, don't get me wrong. I love the God stuff. I love the politics stuff. Your music reviews are getting me down. I seem to remember a Todd Herman who liked some hard rock and some interesting songs. The last two or three songs have been weepy and weak. What happened to rocker Todd? Now, Victor, that's a good challenge. 
I'll tell you, I have been going through and cleansing my playlists. <laughs> I am turning into Ned Flanders. I can't have that song on my iPhone-ly phone-ly. But do I still love rock and roll? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Single song review coming up. This is this one is just a killer for me. Anytime it comes up, I gotta crank it. This is a weight room max day song for me. Love it. Remember, you can write to us at the ToddHermanShow.com. It's the best way to communicate with us. There are these bands that are one-hit wonders. I, I have thought about doing a podcast just on music, and I'll tell you what it was gonna be, what it would be called if we do it. Please don't steal this. I want to call it the one. I wanted to call it the one, the four, and the why. But everyone said, what's that mean? If you're a musician, you get it, the one, the four, and the five. And other people said, just call it that. But then people say, is it about math? So it's the one, the four, and the five, the formula for one-hit wonders. And and I, I want to do this with my brother, Matthew. And he is a brilliant musician in whole. He is a concert-level pianist and symphony, and symphony writer, also a great pop song writer on a brilliant pop album called Punch and Beauty. He's going to handle the music. I want to talk about the atmospherics of songs. So this would be one I would definitely bring to his attention. So it begins with a bass line, and this is an underlooked asset in rock and roll, a, a bass line that's both unique and bouncy and, in fact, a little bit menacing. Then it rolls into the drums that roll the song into not quite at a Keith Moon level, a little bit of Ringo Starr, fill upon fill. Then the vocals come in. A little bit too much reverb, but that's part of the song's charm. But the song's charm is also in this underappreciated, ironic, vulnerable sort of messaging from the lead singer, and it speaks to my soul. I hate dating. Well, that doesn't matter because I'm a married man and have been for 25 years. I hated dating. I'll tell you about this in the personal note that I used to go on dates. Why am I here? What is this? Why are we pretending? Why the setup? And he communicates this in this song. The song is called Got You Where I Want You. It's by The Flies. There's that bass line. You hear that? I like that little open string. Give me some drums. He gets straight to it, too, after the drums kick in.
line to me. Did you know that I can't dance? Can we talk for a while? So at the beginning lyric, it's sometimes hard to hear in podcasts. What's the meaning of this? I love that. What's a, what's the point of this, this dancing? What's your favorite song? Maybe we could hum along. It's, it's, it's the randomness of dancing. Like what's your favorite song? Maybe we could hum along. It reminds me of um, Goodwill Hunting. When Will meets the, the girl he's going to end up marrying, one would hope, since they had sexual relations. And uh, he says, she would, so maybe we could have coffee sometime. He goes, oh, caramels. Caramels? Yeah, it's just as random as coffee. Love that. And I love that admission. Hey, did you know that I could dance? Could we talk for a while? And therein lay the personal note. So what I couldn't stand about dating was the dress-up doll nonsense. I can't stand things that are not genuine. And asking people out on dates, okay. I met you. You seem interesting. So let's plan a date, and then let's dress up really nice, and then let's go on our very best behavior, and then let's pretend to be other people, and then let's try to impress one another. And let's act like this is all very natural. It's, that's not how God designed people to meet. It's not. I mean, we were to meet in town, in common work projects, in temples and churches, on the farm, school. And then it was intended that you would spend some time around a person and say, I may think that God wants us to be together because I'm around you. I've got a sense of joy. I've got a sense of abiding curiosity. I have a sense, not of wholeness because the biggest scam in, in, in relationships is you complete me. Compliment, not complete. God completes us. So I couldn't stand organized dating. Some people say, I can't stand organized religion. We got to, we got to, church's got to meet somewhere, which is why it's so very surprising <laughs> that I am married to the person I am. The person who likes to dance. Now, the first, when we first met, it went like this. She got in touch with me at the radio show by going to a car lot where we were doing a remote she was just about to walk away. I mean, here she is, a single, very pretty young woman who decides to go to this because she was she heard me on the radio. And this is a really fascinating person. I'd like to meet him. And I was, she was just about to turn around and walk away. Something told me, something said, turn around. I turned around. There's this pretty brown-eyed girl. I said, hi. She goes, hi. Now, my wife disputes this, but it is my memory that she I she said, someone told me to give this to you. And I said, what is this? Is it a subpoena? No, I said, is it good? Good or bad? She goes, well, it's not bad. I said, is it a subpoena? No. That's a long story about politicians in Utah hated my guts and wanted me subpoenaed. And then she left. I saw the truck she drove away, and it was a high-rise 4x4 Toyota with a, um, it's kind of a stained window back, window. Okay, read the note. I've never done this before. I'm not a groupie. I've never reached out to a personality before. I've listened to your show. I think you're really interesting and I'd like to get together with you. And this is my phone number and here's my name. 
And then this was during the time when the movie Swingers was really big. So I had to wait three days because, you know, you got to call the babies three days later. Otherwise, you don't got game. Honestly, I just agonized. Because as a young man doing the sort of radio I did, it wasn't unusual to get people who would say things like you should come over. Because that was the sort of radio we did. And it wasn't vile, disgusting radio. It was just FM dude chatter with some depth, I think, truly. So I struggled with it. And then I made the phone call. And the crazy thing was it didn't feel like a date. It didn't feel like I needed to put anything on. I didn't feel like she was acting. Our lunch where we drank iced tea and I pretended to like tea. I did pretend that. Our lunch went into a visit to the park and it lasted four hours. First date. Could not stop talking to this person. So many of the qualities I admire. Toughness and softness in one person. Smarts and humility in one person. And she's really pretty. Thickest, brownest hair I'd ever seen. And no date. Well, it was a date, but it wasn't one. I never had to ask, what's the point of this? The point of this is I feel in my heart that we're going to spend life together, even though I'm afraid. I feel that in my heart. That was over 22 years ago. So, in answer to the flies, you don't have to dance. Well, I did kind of pretend I like dancing too. Actually, later in my life, my wife taught me that I really do like dancing when it's too earth, wind, and fire. I tear it up. Don't come to me with a don't. I tear it up when I dance Earth, Wind, and Fire. Even a lady at a bar in Bothell said, you're so lucky to have a man who loves to dance. This is the Todd Herman Show. Go be well, be strong, be kind, and please be right with God.